0: Remind you, as I transition here, next Sunday we will not have service here. Next Sunday will be Life Church United. We will have all four congregations coming together for the first time in almost three years. It's been a while. And I'm excited and looking forward to that service next Sunday. It will be in Ellensburg at Tianaway Hall. Um, and uh, if you just type in Rodeo Fairgrounds, you'll find it, I'm sure. Uh, but we'll have some people there helping direct, and we'll get it posted on the website again. Um, amen. We're looking forward to a great time. Service next Sunday will start there at 1130. Prayer will be at 11, and so it'll be a little later than we're used to here, but the extra 30 to 40 minutes of drive time. So eleven o'clock prayer, eleven thirty service. I would expect if you get there at eleven thirty, you probably get seats near the back uh, because of four congregations coming. And uh, so come for prayer. Let's uh, wait on the Lord together. Spirit of unity, seeking His face. I believe God's going to do great things. The place of unity where He commands a blessing. Amen. So we look forward to that next Sunday. April the 10th. Uh, also, don't forget May the 1st will also be a combined service. It will just be East Side Combined Service congregation here in Union Gap. May the 1st. More details will follow. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to dismiss children to their classes today. Amen. The Lord use them, bless them, minister to them. And I'm going to ask you to grab your Bible with me. Praise God. Let's open the Word of the Lord today. I am thankful for the Spirit and the presence of the Lord that is here. Um, I so appreciate what I feel. But more than I appreciate what I feel, I'm thankful for what I know because of the Word of God. I don't say that like because I know. I say it because of the Word of God and the fact that it would be revealed to us. The Word is true. The Word is true. And I thank God for His manifest presence that we feel. When we worship and adore him and he manifests his presence and it sweeps over our soul, our emotion. I thank God for all of that. I I couldn't live without it. But I, I don't always have that. You Understand? I don't always have that. But I always have the word. And when I have no feeling, no emotion, when I... My my feelings may even try to deceive me. You understand your feelings will deceive you. Some of you are like, no, not mine. Yes, yours. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was a teenager. I made a trip to Mexico. Me and my sister, we were older teenagers. We were at this big, huge, fancy resort. I guess they filmed a the movie there. It was such a really nice resort my dad and his wife took us to. And... uh My sister and I, my sister met a a young man. I met a young lady, and we just enjoyed friendship there. Uh, And, uh, man, we left after a few days and came home, and I thought I was in love, man. Don't laugh at me. You've been there. Well, maybe not there, but you know what I'm talking about, (laughs) right? Oh, my poor broken heart. Would I ever go back? Would our paths ever cross again? (laughs) A sad, sappy movie if he made one. Well, it wasn't love. You know that, most of you, right? Some people are looking for that, thinking that's love. That's not love. It was emotion. It was emotion. It was feeling. My feelings deceived me. Did I I enjoy the time? Was it a memory on the journey? Yeah, but it wasn't love. It was just emotion. But the Word of God. I can hold to the Word of God. There are some things that are truth. We cannot be governed by our emotions. Somebody hear me. We cannot be governed by our emotions. I'm not saying we should try to suppress them and bear them down. And we, we have emotions. God made us with feeling. We're made in His image. He has feeling. All right. But we are not to be governed by our emotions. Our lives should be led by the spirit and governed by his word. This is his plan. Should be led by his. So what do I do when my emotions are? I go to the word, the word. Well, but I don't know about, but it feels like, okay, it may feel like, but what does the word say? My emotions, your emotions can and will deceive you. So I got to go back to the Word. The Word is truth. I hold to the Word of truth. The Word of God cannot lie. He's a God that cannot lie. And so I stand on the Word. If you were here Thursday night, you understand this is sort of in my spirit right now. We must stand on the Word. Everything that can shake, will shake. Scripture is clear. All that can be shaken, will be shaken. The only thing that will remain after all the shaking is that which is eternal. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to help somebody right now. Jesus told the parable of a man that built his house. And he built his house upon the sand... And the rains came, and the winds blew, and the storm raged, and the house fell. Another man built his house. He built his house upon a rock. And the rains came, and the wind blew, and the storms raged, and the house stood firm. Somebody listen today. Please listen. Listen. The rain was the same. The wind was the same. The storm was the same. It's possible even that the house was the same. The only difference was where it was built. And if you build your relationship with God and your life with God and emotion, feeling, and experience alone, somewhere along the way it will fall. And your relationship... With God will be weak and only by the grace of God might you make it. You better build your house on the rock. The word of God is the rock. The word of God is a sure foundation. The word of God is a firm foundation. And so when everything else is raging and I can't make sense of it, I've got to go back to the word. The disciples were in a boat, and there was a storm, and they feared for their life. They thought they were going to die, and they saw a spirit. They thought it was a spirit coming across the water. That's how troubled they were. I would imagine some of them thought, it's the spirit of death coming to get us. Word tells us they feared for their life. You know what happened? They forgot the word of God. Because if they would have just stood on the word of God, one of them would have stood up and said, Men, stop your belly aching. Sorry, that's southern words. Stop your whining and carrying on your doubt and your fear. Do you remember why we're out here? Jesus said, get in the boat and go to the other side. And we are in this boat because we are obedient to his word. And he didn't say, get in the boat and go out in the middle. He said, get in the boat and go to the other side. We are acting in obedience to the word of God. There may be a storm. I may not be able to see the other side. But I have acted in faith on the word of God. And so I am standing on the word. Now here comes Jesus walking on the water. They're so blinded by the storm, they don't even recognize And the storm at times in your life and mine will make it hard to see Jesus. That doesn't mean he's not there. And when he spoke, they heard his voice. They may not have been able to discern his face and his figure, but they knew the word. Ah, that's his word. You and I need to be rooted in the word. Amen. You show me someone that's not rooted in the word and I'll show you a life that's given to tremendous highs and lows and ups and downs and instability and emotional roller coasters. Get in the word doesn't mean you won't battle emotional things along the journey. Don't misunderstand me. But the Word roots you and grounds you and I. We need the Word of God. It's sure. It's steadfast. It is an anchor for the soul. It is an anchor for the soul. I don't mind telling you, in my troublesome times of life, and I have them just like you do, In the times of uncertainty and seasons of fear or doubt that would try to creep in, when my mind gets bombarded, I have one place I go. I go to the Word. I just immerse myself in the Word. I just seek to pour over my life with the Word. I want the Word of God. It is an anchor for the soul. In Jesus' name. Well, that was... bonus. I feel like I have something to declare from the word of the Lord today. And that it may give you something to hold on to. All right. Sometimes we have to be reminded of the truth of the word of God. But then you and I have to make a determination. Am I going to receive the word of God for myself? Sometimes we can hear the word of God and we assign it to others. Oh, man, they need to hear that. Uh, You laugh because you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? There's that saying that's sort of become popular recently. Say it louder for the people in the back. Well, that's that person that's saying it's for somebody else. When I hear the word, I want to go, I received that for myself, Lord. Receive that for myself, not to a place of condemnation. Don't let the word. That's the adversary trying to twist the word sometimes. Sometimes the adversary will take the word and try to. If the word makes you feel condemned, that's not God. That's the adversary twisting the word of God. And he does that. He's a master of that. So you and I have to go, hold on a minute. But we receive the word for ourselves and let it work in our lives. The book of Hebrews chapter nine. We were here last Sunday. We were in Hebrews 11. We seem to be going backwards in Hebrews. Um, The Lord just has me here. and So here we are. Something he's wanting us to understand. Hebrews chapter 9. I'm going to express apologies to Brother Renee and his wonderful interpreting today. Because there's a pretty good chance I'm going to move quick. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 1. Then verily, the first covenant, everybody say the first. That's important. Say it again, the first. Then truly, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly or earthly sanctuary. Right now, walls, we're in a worldly, earthly, naturally made sanctuary. OK? That's what the scriptures saying by worldly sanctuary. It was naturally built, physical, OK? That was the first covenant. Verse 2. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. Verse 3. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about, With gold. Skip down to verse 6. Now when these things were thus ordained. All this furniture and this tabernacle under the first covenant. When these things were thus ordained. The priest went always into the first tabernacle. Everybody say the first. He went always into the first tabernacle. What he's describing here is you have the outer court of the Old Testament tabernacle. And then you step into what's called the holy place where he just described the furniture. That's the first tabernacle. And then he stepped... One, we're we're going to read and see where he stepped after that. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. He was fulfilling his required service. Verse 7. But into the second Everybody say the second. The second went the high priest only or alone. Nobody else. The high priest alone went once every year. Notice these next three words. Not without blood. Somebody say those three words with me. Not without blood. Once a year, the high priest went in. Only once a year. But he did not go in without blood which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. Now, I want you to see a picture here. Stay with me for just a minute. Quick foundation. We have just read in Hebrews, the writer is pointing back to the Old Testament tabernacle. I'm asking you to stay with me. I know some of this will be familiar to some of you. We're going somewhere today in the Holy Ghost. The Old Testament tabernacle where we have the outer court that has the altar of sacrifice and the brazen labor. And then we enter into the holy place, which is what is described there in verse number 2. The holy place, what he called the first tabernacle, which had the altar of incense in the middle, the candlestick on one side and the table of showbread on the other. And then once a year, that high priest would enter into what here the writer called the second tabernacle or the holiest of holies, which is where the Ark of the Covenant sat. You with me? And if you read and you study this, these pieces of furniture, the altar of sacrifice, the brazen labor on the outside, these three pieces we just referenced that were here in verse number 2, these three pieces of furniture in the holy place, and then the altar of covenant, the holiest holies. You go back and you look and read. In the altar of sacrifice, we understand there was blood. Yes? Animals were cured. Blood was put on the horns of the altar. Then the extra blood that remained that they didn't use elsewhere in the tabernacle was poured out at the foot of the altar, the scripture tells us. We read in Leviticus chapter number 8 that the laver, the foot of the laver, the priest anointed and touched with blood. We read in Leviticus chapter 4 that the altar of incense and the four horns on the altar of incense when the priest came in, he would put blood on the horns of that altar of incense where praise went up. We read in Leviticus chapter 16 that the high priest, where we just read here in Hebrews, once a year he would go in, but not without blood And what would happen, that high priest, once a year, you can read about it in Leviticus chapter 16, he walks in to the Ark of the Covenant this one time of year, the high priest alone by himself. He's had blood at the altar. He's washed in the laver and seen the blood turn the water. Now it becomes red instead of clear. He no longer sees his reflection in the laver, but now he sees only blood and he recognizes he's been covered and he enters into the holy place and he puts blood on the altar of incense and he continues and then once a year he steps into the holiest of holies and he's carrying this basin of blood with him he's carrying this golden censer and he walks in there into the holiest of holies and the high priest before he does anything else he dips his hand in that blood and he sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat at the ark of the covenant believing that when the blood gets on the mercy seat something's going to move in the throne room of God and as the blood gets on the mercy seat the spirit of God will be so moved and the glory Glory of God will come down, and it will dwell between the cherubims and Hoover over the mercy seat when He sees the blood there. That's why he didn't go in without blood. We see it before the tabernacle when he brings them out of Egypt when he says kill a lamb. Put the blood on the doorpost in Exodus chapter number 12, I believe it is. He says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The blood was an indicator. I'm going to bring you out of the bondage of Egypt. I'm going to bring you out of sin. The blood was an indicator. But we read here in Hebrews of the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. Entering in but not without the blood. We see this pattern in this example. What does all this mean? Well, let's read a little further. Verse number 7, still in Hebrews chapter 9. Right where we left off, I want to start there again so we pick up. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself. The writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of God, is clearly defining the first and the second tabernacle. There's a reason he didn't call them the holy place, and the holiest of holies. He wants us to understand there's a first tabernacle and there's a second tabernacle. And he was saying they signify something. And under the inspiration of God, he used certain words by God's ordained design. Watch. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. Verse 8 gives us a glimpse all of a sudden. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, this signifying. See, here we just, we just shifted. The writer of Hebrews just shifted us. He said, I walked you through what you probably already knew in the Old Testament. But I want you to recognize when there was an entry once a year into that second tabernacle. The reason it was a second tabernacle is because not only was that designed for then, but I wanted you to understand there's going to be a second tabernacle where there's some blood that's applied. And the Spirit of God is signifying something to us by this Old Testament pattern. That the way... Everybody say the way. Man, I feel the Spirit of God so upon me right now. The Holy Ghost this signifying. The way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Everybody say made manifest. Made manifest. While, everybody say while. while. Aha, that's an indicator. It's Not yet, but. Not yet, but it's coming it's coming that high priest once a year with blood going into the holy place the second tabernacle why was it patterned that way because it was signifying something it was signifying that the way the holy ghost was signifying the way jesus said in john 14:6 i am the way i am the truth I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The way was not yet what? Made manifest. I like what Paul said in 1 Timothy 3.16. Anybody with me? But God was manifest in the flesh. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Hey, that high priest once a year going into the second tabernacle, it was the Spirit of God signifying the way was not yet manifest. But there was coming the way, and he was going to be made manifest. That's why Jesus said, I am the way. That's why Paul said, God was manifest in the flesh. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we see the signification of the second tabernacle. That someone through blood could cause the glory of God to descend. Some of y'all ain't getting it yet, but before he's done, God's going to have it in your spirit. The way. Here's the thing. It couldn't be made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. You got it? Verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices this is the high priest the priest doing their daily service their divine service following the instruction of God going through their yearly or or regular routines of offering sacrifices but watch here's the problem their offering of sacrifices could not everybody say it could not it could not make him that did the service perfect or whole or complete even the priest that was doing it wasn't made complete. As pertaining, this is important, to the conscience. Now it, we read it already in the verses previously. It pushed the sins of the people forward. The blood was offered for the errors of the people. But it didn't satisfy the issue of the conscience. This fact What is conscience? Conscience is co-perception. It's literally what the word means. Co-perception. Well, what's the co-perception? How I perceive myself and how God perceives me. The co-perception. And so this Old Testament routine could not make me feel complete as it relates to how I see myself and how God sees me. Verse 10. It stood, he's still talking about the old tabernacle, the old practices, the old ordinances. It stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them. Till when? Ooh. Until the time. Until the time of reformation. There was an ordained time for Reform. A time for reformation. They had to continue that until the time. Until the time. So, the time, verse 11. But Christ. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. I think we ought to praise Him right now. But Christ. But Christ. But Christ. But Christ. Christ the Lord Jesus Christ being come an high priest you understand this year after year just going through the motions almost yes it accomplished something but it never satisfied the conscience. I still understood I was living in sin. It only got pushed out a little bit. I still understood I was sinful nature. It only got pushed out another year. It never seemed to satisfy my conscience. How God perceived me. He saw the sin push forward. But I knew in my conscience. I was still not fully clean. Because another year was going to come. And it was going to have to happen again. It just didn't make me complete. That old ordinances. And until a time of reformation. But Christ. Being coming high priest of good. Good things to come. Watch. By a greater. And a more perfect. Tabernacle. The second tabernacle. Remember the Holy Ghost signified. A second tabernacle. They only saw one. They called it the holy place in the holiest of holies. But the writer of Hebrews called it the second tabernacle. It was the Holy Ghost signifying there's something coming where you won't have to go through all that first tabernacle stuff anymore. You're going to be able to just start because the second tabernacle. And Jesus came. Jesus, a high priest. See, he could go into that place. But not only could he go into that place, he could be. He became the second tabernacle. This may be just for me, but I'm telling you something is fired up in my spirit. Not made with hands, not built by man, not designed by man. That is to say, not of this building. Watch verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place. And what did he do there? He obtained eternal redemption for you and for me. You don't have to go through it anymore. If I'll recognize what Jesus did. He said, I'm going to do something. I don't have the right to go into the second tabernacle without blood either. That's something the writer of Hebrews established. The high priest went along once a year, but not without blood. And so Jesus... Being made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He said, I'm going to go in. But I'm not going in without blood. And I'm going in without spot or blemish. And I'm walking in as the Lamb of God. And I'm going to give my own blood on that ark of mercy. That was true. Mercy being made represent. That's why when he died at Calvary, the veil was in twain. No longer anything hindering anyone from entering into that place. He became the perfect tabernacle. And he did it. By his own blood for you, for me. And by doing so, he obtained eternal redemption. Notice, he did not obtain temporary redemption for you. Somebody hear the word of the Lord. He did not obtain temporary redemption for you. He obtained eternal redemption. This is the plan and the desire of God. That His blood would be eternal redemption for you. Now I'm not preaching once saved, always saved. Don't walk out of here saying that. That's not what the Word teaches. But what the Word is declaring that if I'll walk in what He obtained... It's eternal. I don't have to go from I'm redeemed, but now I'm not redeemed. I'm redeemed, but I wish I had. No, no, no. That was the Old Testament. When the blood of Jesus was put on the altar, it obtained eternal redemption for you and I. Verse 13. Watch. Lost my pla- there we are. Oh no. My page turned. There we are. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. That's the Old Testament. Colon, verse 14. How much more? Come on, why don't you say those words with me? How much more? Come on, dear sir. How much more? Come on, dear ma'am. How much more? I know you don't like it when we do this, but would you look at somebody beside you and ask them the question, how much more? Come on, ask them, how much more? If an Old Testament pattern of natural animals killed and their bloodshed puts people's sins forward one year, how much more? How much more does the precious blood of Jesus come on somebody answer the question for yourself how much more. Oh, you've messed up so bad. Yes, I understand. But how much more? But you've failed and fallen short. Okay, I understand. But how much more? You've made a mess of life. You've stumbled. It hasn't gone the way you thought. And you found yourself in condition you didn't want to be in. Okay, but how much more? There's some eternal blood that has been spilled not the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of Christ Himself. Question for you, how much more is He affecting your life? This is the power of the blood. This is what the writer of Hebrews was trying to declare. The Jews were struggling. It was written to the Hebrews, but it's for all of our admonition. He was trying to help them understand you're holding to old ideas. You're holding to old patterns. You're holding to an old covenant that's already been changed. The blood of Jesus has made a way. How much more is it working for you how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God why did he do it to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God here's the thing to get in our spirit. The blood of Jesus covered Brother Joel. Brother Joel had all these ideas about himself because of the life he knew he lived. He had all these things he'd walked in in sin and failure and shortcoming. But God kept reaching in his mercy, that mercy seat. Mercy kept reaching. Mercy kept reaching. And one day Brother Joel said, I submit. I'll let the blood of Jesus be applied to my life. I'll accept the atoning sacrifice for all of my sin." And all these feelings and thoughts he had about himself. All this perception of my failure. All the things I thought God must think terribly of me. All of a sudden the blood is applied. And what does it do? It purges my mind. It purges my spirit. It purges my conscience. I have a clean perception of how God sees me now. I have a clear perception of how he sees me now. And when I look at myself, I don't listen to the accuser. I hear the voice of one that With his own blood. This was the purpose of the blood of Jesus. It was to purge the conscience. My co perception. Stop listening to the adversary. He's a liar. He knows the blood covers you, he knows the blood is able to keep you, he knows the blood. Has washed away sin. Stop listening to the adversary. Lay hold on the blood. It'll purge your conscience from dead works. Why? So that you can serve the living God. I want to read 58 verses today, but I'm not Everybody said, Amen. Praise God. So for that purpose, skip down with me to verse 19. I want you to watch. For when Moses had spoken. See now, again, we're not going to read all this. But if you go back and you look in Exodus chapter number 24, you'll see what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here. In Exodus 24, we find Moses bringing all the people of Israel together. He brings them together. He declares the word of God to them. Watch, when Moses had spoken every precept, that's what he did, to all the people according to the law. Basically, the writer of Hebrews in verse 19 and 20 put in two verses what took about three or four chapters in Exodus. Mostly in Exodus 24. For when Moses had spoken every precept, that's the laws of God, the word of God, to all the people according to the law, watch what he did, watch. He took the blood of calves, And of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop. And he sprinkled both the book and the people. Is that what it says? Read Exodus 24. You'll see how much he did it. He took this thing in his hand that he dipped in the blood of A basin of blood from bulls and goats and calves. Go back to verse 19. Dipped it in the blood of the calves and the goats. And it was this thing that had scarlet wool. And he would soak up the blood when he dipped it in there. And then after he declared the word, he would swing it like that. And the blood would come out of that thing that had soaked it up onto the book. And then he took the blood over the people. He began. I just picture Moses walking around. What was he doing? He was saying, I can tell you about the blood, but I got to get the blood on you. I can talk to you about the blood, but it's not enough to just hear about the blood. You got to get the blood on you. The blood was shed to get on your life. The blood was meant to cover you. The blood was meant your blood can't do it. It takes innocent blood. It takes innocent blood. And they did this. And Moses sprinkles the blood on the people. Saying, verse 20, watch what he said when he did it though. Watch. This is the blood of the testament which God hath joined, enjoined unto you. This blood is a covenant between you and God. That's what he's saying. This blood that's getting on you. This blood that's getting on you. This blood... Is a testament. What's all that all about? Verse twenty-one. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of ministry. That's the altar. That's the laver. That's the altar of incense. That's the candlestick. That's the table of showbread. That's the holiest of That's the ark of the covenant. He sprinkled the tabernacle with blood. Every piece of furniture he sprinkled with blood. Verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And I want you to notice this last line of this verse. And without shedding of blood is no remission. You see that? Without shedding of blood is no remission. We read it already in one verse. The high priest went once alone every year. Not without blood. It was the Holy Ghost signifying something. He was signifying. Without blood, there's no moving of sin. Without blood, there is no remission. Now, that word remission, we don't use it too often Usually we do, we talk about somebody that maybe had cancer and it's in remission. They're not free from it, it's just going backwards. That's not what it means here. Remission here means something totally different. Remission here means removal. Remission here means pardon of sins. It means letting them go as if they had never been committed. In the Old Testament, it just pushed them forward one year. But in the New Testament, because of the blood of Christ obtaining eternal redemption for us, it removes sin, the remission of sins. This is the work of the blood. This is the work of the blood. This is the work of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now watch. We know this verse, but it's important. Acts 2 and 38. Then Peter, these men were pricked because they had sinned. They had sinned. And so Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Is that what he said? Same word that was in Hebrews. Without shedding of blood is no remission. Peter said, you know what? Repent and be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. That tells me, and we're going to see it in a minute in the Word, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But you're going to see, that tells me, when you go down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, if you have repented of your sins, there is something that takes place with the blood of Jesus that was shed just over 2,000 years ago. And when you go down in the water in obedience to the Word, remission of sin, the blood of Jesus is applied it's like Moses sprinkling, saying, Hey, this is a testament enjoined to you. But now it's a new testament, a new covenant. We skipped over some verses, but the death of the testator has taken place. Jesus Christ was the testator, he was the one who wrote the last will and testament. So he died, and then the new testament became enforced. That's in there. Read it in Hebrews 9 and 10. I'm saving you 58 verses. That's the blood being applied how do I get the blood applied the waters of baptism now watch that's remission you know what's interesting about that word to me I already told you what the scripture says it means but Luke 4 and 18 watch this Luke 4 and 18 familiar to many of us Jesus Christ is speaking he's just come out of the wilderness And he says this as he opens the book of Isaiah, begins to read it in the synagogue or in the temple. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Watch. To preach deliverance. Everybody say deliverance. Deliverance. Say it again. Jesus said, He sent me to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty. Everybody say, set at liberty. Say it one more time. To set at liberty them that are bruised. I want you to see two things in this verse deliverance and set at liberty. Jesus said there's an anointing to preach deliverance to somebody that's captive and to set at liberty them that are bruised. I want you to see something here. Never seen this in my life before, but go look, dig it. The Greek word that's right there for deliverance, the Greek word that's there for set at liberty. It's the same word as remission that's used in Acts 2 and used in Hebrews chapter that we just read. It could just as easily say to preach remission, complete pardon, removal of bondage and entanglement to the captive. And to set at liberty deliverance to release from bondage or imprisonment them that are bruised without the shedding of blood there is no remission but where there is the shedding of blood and the blood of a spotless lamb the one who shed his own blood to make a way for us where the way was made manifest this very one by the shedding of his blood he can speak deliverance into your life today there is deliverance through the blood of the lamb he can set at liberty those places where you're bruised and you won't live in bondage to them anymore this is the power Of the blood of Jesus This is the word of God And I choose to lay hold on it I choose to receive it into my spirit My mind was once troubled and tormented But it's been washed It's been covered It's been renewed by the blood of the lamb This is the blood This is the blood Hebrews chapter 10 I'm hurrying See look at all those verses I just skipped Hebrews chapter 10 verse number 4 It is not possible. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Pretty plain, wasn't it? He just said, without shedding of blood, there's no remission. But then he says, man, put the chapters there. He's continuing this thought. It is not possible. That the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Skip down to verse number 9. Now we see Jesus speak. We see the results of what Jesus said. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Watch. You there? He taketh away what? Oh, there it is. Remember we read that first verse? Hebrews 9 and 1. The first covenant. Right? Isn't that what it said? The first covenant. That's what he's talking about. He taketh away the first. Why did he take away the first? So that he could establish the second. What does that mean? Verse 10. By the which... By the second, what he established. By the which will, I come not to do my will, O God, but that is what he said. By that will, we, you and I, are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. No longer annual sacrifices of lambs and goats and bulls that cannot take away sin. But the blood of Jesus once for all. He did away with the first Not so he could enter in. He could establish the second. Skip down to verse 16. Man, we're skipping over so much good stuff. Verse 16. This is the covenant. This is the one he established, the second one, after he did away with the first one. This is the covenant that I will make with them. Everybody say them. Everybody say them is me. me. Say it again. "them Them is me. That's who he's talking to. You and I. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. Keep reading. Verse 17. And their sins, their sins, their iniquities, will I remember no more. Remember them anymore. This is the covenant I'm going to establish. The new covenant. I'll not remember your sins or your iniquities anymore. In the old covenant, they got pushed forward a year, and I remembered. So you had to go through the process again. But this new covenant. By the blood of a spotless lamb once for all. Here's why. I wanted to establish. Establish, he said, a new covenant. And your sins and your iniquities. I will remember. If you've been washed in the blood, why are you rehearsing what God chooses not to remember? Why are you entertaining what God chooses to remember no more? The second covenant has been established. And it will not be removed. It has been established. And as long as we're in this world, it will remain established. But when he takes his church out, there's another one coming. A new millennium. But as long as the church is in the earth, this covenant remains. Why would I listen to the adversary and remember What the covenant has already established. That he will remember my sins and iniquities. No more. When you were buried in the waters of baptism and the blood of Jesus was applied to your life, it was more than Moses sprinkling that day. It was the blood of a spotless lamb, the blood of Jesus being put on your life. And it said a new covenant has taken place. I'm entering into relationship with the God of the covenant. I'm accepting the atoning sacrifice on my life. And he's washed away my sin and he'll not remember it anymore. in the name of Jesus. Verse of my own 17. Let's keep reading just a minute longer. Now verse 18. Now where remission there's that word again. Remission, removal, pardon, forgiveness as though they never happened, gone. That's what it means. Now where remission of these is there is no more offering for sin. Did you get that? No more goats. No more bulls. No more lambs. I just felt this. Somebody listen to me. No more penance. Self flogging till blood comes out. You understand, that's what penance is. Penance is this self-punishment. It's not scriptural. It's of the adversary, the devil. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Trying to get somebody to live outside the blood of Jesus. I'll beat myself up. I'll punish myself. I'll whip myself. You know, people do that until they bleed. I'll whip my... I, I was in... A few years ago, I was in Mexico on Easter. And I watched... As men and women walked down the street, one carrying a cross, pushed down his head, real blood coming out of people walking ahead of him and around him, beating themselves, blood coming out of their bodies. And what were they doing? It was penance. And it wasn't changing a thing in their life. All it was doing was allowing the adversary to continue to condemn them for their sin, condemn them for their sin, condemn them for their sin. But somebody hear the word of the Lord. Where the remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. I'm not beating myself up over it. I may fall and falter and have to go to an altar and say, God, forgive me. I have missed the mark. I fell short. But I know I'm covered by your blood. So I ask you in the name of Jesus, let the blood wash over my life one more time. Let the blood heal my mind one more time. But there's not another offering. I'm not going to live in self-punishment. I'm not going to live under condemnation, beating myself up in penance. I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. I'm going to humble myself in repentance, true repentance before God. And I'm going to recognize there's remission and he's already paid the price. We need a fresh revelation of the work of the blood. We need to receive the blood afresh and anew in our heart. We need the spirit of God to anoint our mind and our spirit to realize. When he shed his blood, it was an established covenant. And it washed my sins away. makes me mad that the adversary would cause somebody to believe a lie. That would dismiss and discount the blood of Jesus. When I lay hold on the lie of the adversary, what I'm saying is I don't believe the blood of Jesus really does what it says. Come on, the blood works. The blood is real. The blood was enough. The blood of Jesus once for all. It covers and washes away sin. I'm glad they put the verse up there because I forget where I'm at. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Verse 19. Now we're going to shift now. You ready? Here we are. This is what the blood does. I don't have sin. I stand here before you today. Covered in the blood. Free from sin. Not because I'm good. Not because I've done anything. Not because I've earned it. Not because I got it all figured out. I just believe the word I went down in the waters of baptism some 47 years ago almost. I know it doesn't seem like it That's old, but I'm, I'm that old. 47 years ago, I went down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and I had the blood applied to my life that day, and ever since that day the blood has been there. The blood remains upon me. I faltered and I failed through those 47 years, but all I've had to do is say, God, forgive me. I plead the blood, and the blood remains. 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 It never stops working. It's never ineffectual in its working. The blood remains upon my life. I thank God for the blood. I haven't done it. I didn't produce it. I'm not good in my own flesh. It's the work of Calvary. It's the work of the cross. It's because of the blood. But watch. Having therefore, brethren, boldness. Some of you say, well, you sound pretty bold. I am, but it's not my boldness. I got boldness to enter into the holiest How? By the blood of Jesus. Here's what he's saying. So you got to see this connection from chapter 9 to chapter 10. Remember, the holiest is that second tabernacle. It's the place where the glory of the Lord came and dwelt upon the mercy seat. That's the holiest. It's the second tabernacle. I have boldness that where before I could not go, I'm a Gentile. But now, now, because of the blood of a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, because of the blood of a spotless lamb, because of the blood of Jesus on my life, with boldness. I don't second guess myself. I don't go, I don't deserve to. I'm so unworthy. Woe is me. I'm not saying I'm worthy, but I'm made worthy by the blood of the Lamb. And because of the blood, I can enter boldly into the holiest. You and I can enter into the very presence of God boldly. That doesn't mean we're doing it without reverence doesn't mean we're doing it casually or flippantly. But it does mean I'm not going, oh, I don't even deserve to come before you, God. I don't even deserve to call on your name. I don't even deserve to enter your presence. No, get rid of that. Get rid of that foolishness. That's the adversary bringing self-punishment and self-condemnation. We need a revelation of the blood. I come boldly, God, not because... I've earned it, but your blood is made away. And I believe in the power of your blood on my life. And because I believe in the blood, I'm coming boldly before your throne. Not in arrogance, not in haughtiness, in humility, but boldness. I have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us. Through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. That's why when he was crucified, the veil of the temple was torn. His flesh was torn by the piercing of the nails. When he died, the veil of the temple, that is his flesh. The veil of the temple signified his flesh. Once the veil of the temple was torn, once his flesh was torn, the door was open for you and I to enter into the holy place. Verse 21. And having a high priest over the house of God. We have a high priest, you know. We are the house of God. Having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with true heart in full assurance. That doesn't sound like some wobbly approach to God to me. Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful. That promised. Would you stand with me this morning? He is faithful. That promised. There is power in the blood. There is power in the blood. Somebody here. There is power in the blood. There's power to deliver you. There's power to heal you. There's power to restore you. There's power to wash away all of your sins. There's power to heal and restore and renew your mind. There's power to reestablish you in right relationship with God. There's power to heal your sick body. There's power to heal your blackened soul. There's power to wash clean and make new. There is power in the blood of Jesus. And when you were washed in the waters of baptism, the blood was applied. And I don't care if that was one day ago or 25 or 47 years ago or longer. The blood remains true. The blood still works. The blood has not lost It's power. The blood has not weakened. The blood has not stopped working. The blood remains. Someone please lay hold on the word of God today. Embrace it for yourself. The blood still works. You understand when the adversary lies and accuses and condemns. He's trying to get you to doubt the blood. Revelation chapter 12 verse number 10. Revelation 12 and 10 makes it clear to us how the adversary works. Watch Revelation 12 and verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven. Watch. Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ. Why? For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Which accused them. Hear me, if you're listening to condemnation, you're listening to the accuser. Accuse them before our God day and night. But watch verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. What does that sound like? I'm going to tell you what that sounds like. I've been washed. In the blood of the Lamb, I once was lost, but now I'm found. My testimony, I was blind, but now I see. My testimony, I was an alcoholic, but I've been delivered. I was a drug addict, but I've been set free. I was in bondage to perversion, but God delivered me, and I'm washed in the blood. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. The accuser still comes. You want to overcome the accuser? You want to overcome condemnation? Just plead the blood and declare your testimony. Just plead the blood and declare your testimony. You say, but I'm not there yet. Then do it in faith. Do it in faith of the word of God. I may be in bondage today, but I got faith in the blood. And I'm believing the power of the blood to deliver me right now. Would you begin to reach to the Lord right where you are? There is a work of the Spirit that's happening here right now that's going to flow through this room. I pray and plead the blood of Jesus right now. By the Word of God and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, I pray the cleansing, delivering, healing blood of Jesus. In this room, I pray deliverance from bondage of sin and fear. I pray deliverance from doubt and discouragement, from oppression and depression. I plead the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ on every heart and every life. Let the blood be applied. Let the blood be applied. Let the blood be applied. Jesus, we worship you. We praise you. We are set free by your blood. We are made clean by your blood. We are healed by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is power in the blood. There is power in the blood. There is healing in your blood. There is deliverance in your blood. I receive the healing blood of the Lamb. I receive the delivering blood of the Lamb. Oh, let the blood of Jesus wash afresh today. Let the blood of Jesus wash afresh today. In the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus. Watch this. We need a revelation. The Spirit of the Lord is is trying to bring revelation and understanding to every heart that will receive this morning. Not just for this day, not just for this hour, but for every moment forward. He wants this revelation in your spirit. The power of the ever working blood once you've been buried in the waters of baptism. We see the blood of Jesus being shed. Three distinct locations in Scripture. The first place we find it, we find it at Gethsemane. We find Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Pray not my will, but yours be done. If it be possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. And the scripture says that he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood because of the agony and the anguish. There is actually a medical condition whereby someone's heart can be under so much strain and stress. And I may not get the term exactly right, so I want to be careful. But somehow the sac surrounding the heart ruptures from the strain and the stress. And blood could actually come out through one's pores where sweat could come out. They believe, most believe that's exactly what the scriptures describing happened to Jesus in the garden. And He began to shed blood at Gethsemane. What was that? I'll tell you what that was. That was blood that deals with the mental state of men. It was the garden of Gethsemane where the mind was in anguish. It was the garden of Gethsemane where his mind was at war between the will of a man and the will of God, submitting to the will of God. And so blood was shed for the mental condition of man. He goes from Gethsemane, we find him at the place called the pavement or Gabbatha. At Gabbatha, we see him whipped and beaten with stripes and blood is shed at Gabbatha. The blood of Jesus being poured out on the ground there as Roman soldiers whip him at Gabbatha. And we understand from the Word of God by his stripes we are healed and we recognize and realize there at Gabbatha at the pavement the blood of Jesus brings physical healing and we see the blood washing the blood coming and bringing physical healing to your body and mind and then finally we see him at Golgotha and at Golgotha or Calvary we see him nailed to the cross and the blood streaming down from his head, his hands and his feet and we understand the blood at Golgotha was for deliverance from sin it was the healing of our soul and so we see the mind the body and the soul healed by the blood of Jesus all along the way someone understand this morning please, by the grace of God when his blood was shed it was to heal you completely it was not just to do a temporal work it was not to do a partial work it was to heal you mind body and soul this is the power of the blood of Jesus I Thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood. There is power in the blood to heal you today. It's already been shed. It's already been shed. He's already paid the price. He's already taken the stripes. He's already died on the cross. The blood's already been shed. Why don't you, if you need healing in your body, mind, or spirit, why don't you just lift your hands and your heart to Him in faith right now and let the blood of Jesus and the Spirit of the living God begin to minister in your life today. Come on, He's here doing a work. Let Him minister in your spirit today. This altar's open if you'd rather pray in the altar, but would you find a place? And let the blood of Jesus wash over you. Saints of God, would you minister today? Let the blood of Jesus minister to a heart and a life this morning. In Jesus' name. For some of you, it may start with brokenness and repentance before God, acknowledging my sin and my, but recognize the blood can cover, the blood can wash, the blood can make new. Let the blood of Jesus have his perfect work. Let the blood of Jesus have its perfect work. Stop yielding to the condemnation and the voice of the enemy. Let the blood of Jesus have its work. It's still powerful. It's still able. He's still working. He's still able. He's desiring to do a work in your life and mine. Let the blood of Jesus have its work.
1: Overcomer, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. Overcomer, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony he saved me he rescued me he delivered me and he set me free ever since i've been changed i've never been the same i can lift my hands and say thank you for your grace overcomer i'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony overcomer i'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony I've been washed in the blood, I'm kept in his love I'm filled with the spirit and by his stripes I'm healed and I'm free Yes, Jesus gave me the victory Comer, more than a conqueror, I'm a winner Joy of the Lord is my strength, I have dominion I walk in authority, I've been washed in the blood, I'm kept by his love, I'm filled with his spirit, and by his stripes I'm healed, and I'm free, yes, Jesus gave me the victory, overcomer, I'm an overcomer, by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of my testimony, overcomer, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of my testimony. blood of the lamb what a sacrifice that saved my life yes the blood it is my victory oh blood of the lamb what a sacrifice that saved my life Yes the blood it is my victory Oh the blood it is my victory. Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life, brought me from the darkness into glorious light. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Oh, thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. ...brought me from the darkness into glorious light. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood. The blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, the blood. Oh, there is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls us sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, the blood. And thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life, brought me from the darkness into glorious light. And washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white. My dirty rags are purified, I am clean. Oh, washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white. And my dirty rags are purified, I am clean. There's nothing too dirty that you can make worthy. You washed me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty. Oh, that you can make worthy, you wash me in mercy, I am clean. And washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white. And my dirty rags are purified. I am clean. Oh, I'm washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white. And my dirty rags are purified, I am clean. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white. And my dirty rags are purified, I am clean.
0: Hallelujah. We're probably not going to dismiss today. We're just going to continue to pray as long as people are wanting to pray. You keep praying, talking to the Lord. We've got some baptisms we're going to do, but I I, I don't have a release to just dismiss. If you need to go, you're free to go. But the Spirit of the Lord is working in people here. Sometimes we want it to be a, a six or seven minute work and we want to move on. But the Spirit of the Lord is working. We're not going to try to prolong something, but I'm not... I don't have liberty to shut anybody off. So you want to keep praying, you keep praying. We'll have somebody get ready. We're going to do some baptisms, but we're just going to entertain the Spirit of the Lord. We're going to keep worshiping the Lord today. Let His Spirit wash over. Come on, don't leave. Don't leave without what you came for today. Allow the Spirit of God to have His way. Let the blood work in your life today. In Jesus' name, come on, continue to fellowship Him. If you're going to visit with people, I'm asking you to do so out in the foyer, not in the sanctuary. In Jesus'
1: name, I see shattered, but you see whole. I see broken, but you see beautiful. And you're helping me to believe that you're restoring me piece by piece. There's nothing too dirty that you can make worthy. You washed me in mercy. And I am clean. There's nothing too dirty that you can make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. What was dead now? It lives again. My heart's beating, beating inside my chest. Oh, I'm coming alive with joy and destiny. Oh, because you're restoring me piece by piece. There's nothing too dirty that you can make worthy. You washed me in mercy. Oh, I am clean. There's nothing too dirty that you can make worthy. You washed me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty that you can make worthy. You washed me in mercy. I am clean. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice. Your blood flowed red and made me white. And my dirty rags are purified, I am clean. Oh, I'm washed in the blood of your sacrifice, because your blood flowed red and made me white. And my dirty rags are purified, I am clean. I'm washed in the blood of your sacrifice Because your blood flowed red and made me white And my dirty rags are purified I am clean Because there's nothing too dirty That you can make worthy You washed me in mercy I am clean, there's nothing too dirty, that you can make worthy, you washed me in mercy, I am clean.
0: Well, there is a supernatural work taking place in different lives across this building. There is a supernatural work. For some of you, it's time for you to transition to praise. For some of you, you need to transition to praise. Begin to worship him for what he's doing. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Somewhere the weeping's got to turn to rejoicing. And recognizing he's doing a work in me. He's doing something in my life. I'm going to begin to praise. I'm not agonizing. I'm magnifying. In the name of Jesus.
1: Washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white, and my dirty rags are purified, I am clean, yes I've been washed in the blood of your sacrifice, And your blood flowed red and made me white And my dirty rags are purified I am clean There's nothing too dirty, that you can't make worthy. You washed me in mercy, and I am clean. There's nothing too dirty, that you can make worthy. Oh, you washed me in mercy. And now I am clean. Nothing too dirty that you can make worthy. You washed me in mercy. I am clean. I've been washed in the blood of your sacrifice. And your blood flowed red and made me white. My dirty rags are purified. I am clean. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice. Your blood flowed red and made me white. And my dirty rags are purified. I am clean. Hallelujah. ra bashat I e et e alabasa
0: Praise God! What a beautiful day. John said, "I." John said, "I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth." Knowing our children walk in truth is a very powerful thing. So today we're going to uh, we're going to baptize Lily. In the beautiful name of Jesus, I think we all know this is Brother Judah's big sister. It's also Brother Joey and Sister Stephanie's little girl. (laughs) So we're excited to baptize her in Jesus' name. She's been talking about it for probably six or seven months, I think. Mom and Dad have been sitting with her, talking through the Scriptures. She's just been... I remember when I was five years old and I was baptized in Jesus. I've never forgotten. Someone says, "How old? How young?" I believe the child should understand the scriptures and what's taking place. That's important. Um, there's some there's some children that were probably ten or eleven years old. I wouldn't have baptized yet. They just weren't quite grasping the scriptures. But I know what's been taught and what's gone. And I'm so thrilled today. We're also going to baptize Lindsay. Lindsay is Brother Joey Charles Mercado's sister. And so I, I'm just going to be, I'm going to tell her myself right now, okay, I'm going to be honest. When Brother Joey told me, I said, well, it's about time. I mean that with the most love of my heart. And she been sitting in their home Bible studies on Saturdays and I'm so thankful for what God's doing in this family. What a wonderful thing today that their daughter and sister, aunt and niece can be baptized today. What a beautiful thing. So I'm sort of, part of me is stalling because I don't see Brother Joey. Oh, I wasn't trying to be funny. He was right behind me. I was right here, and I saw Junior, I saw Junior, and I barely caught Sister Julie. And then I'm like here, and I'm scanning back. He was just in the perfect spot where I could, that wasn't a height joke. Okay? I wasn't picking on Brother Joey. I, I just I wanted to make sure he was here. Amen. I'm looking out for my brother, but I get painted as a bad guy because I just can't win. Praise God. All right. We're going to make sure family has room first. I'm going to ask children to step back. You can see without being right on the corner. So I'm going to ask children to step back. Family right up front here. Amen. Praise God. hear the Ethiopian eunuch this morning. Here is water. What doth hinder me? Here is water. Amen. Peter said it right in Acts 2 and Acts 10. We need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. Amen. Praise God. God bless you today.